Blog Talk Radio. What a great song. 
Welcome to Red Velvet Media, Blog Talk Radio, and today's show, and, and just so you know, that's Lana Del Rey. I've totally fallen in love with her music. That's Young and Beautiful, and that's actually a song from The Great Gatsby, but um, she's done a lot of really cool stuff, and I was looking at a lot of it last night, and um, she, as my guest will tell you, is very intense, because she's the next town over from where my um, guest that I'm going to be having on today is going to be talking about a lot of really cool things. Um, I have noted psychologist um, and author, Dr. Patricia O'Gorman. She's going to be talking to us a little bit about New Year's resolutions and about her new book and about The Resilient Woman, the newest book that we just recently had a show on, and we're going to be talking a little bit more about that. But before I get into that, I, I have a couple things I'd like to announce. Um, one is uh, today's the Chinese New Year. You're the horse. I want to list. I want to wish everyone out there that's listening um, a happy New Year. Um, I know a lot of people were celebrating last night at midnight. And also, I wanted to bring up something before I brought my guest on, which I'm sure my guest will be um, wanting to talk about as well, since she specializes in some of the areas that this is about. Um, Yes, guys, I want to talk about Justin Bieber. I want to say that um, everybody's, like, making a big deal out of it, I mean, and and starting petitions to have the guy deported. And basically, I just, I feel like we really need to have more time and focus on the other things in our world that are really important that are going on. I'm not saying what happened is, is right. What I'm saying is that there are a lot of other A-listers out there that have been there and um, probably done something as much as magnitude as he as being um, accused of, which we really don't know the truth yet. So all I'm saying is that before we are so quick to judge another person, start looking around you at what else is going on in the world and also other people that are doing things that are on the same level of intense, uh, magnitude of what we want to do and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's very young and that he's made it and that he's made a lot of money and that he may not seem like he really cares about anything but um, I beg to differ I do know from my own personal experiences in talking with people that he does and that um, until any of this is really um, looked at, I think that we need to stop um, wasting so much time creating petitions to deport somebody and calling them a spoiled little brat. You know, I think that we as parents also need to realize that our children are our future. So, um, yes, we don't really want our children to be exposed to certain things, and we'll probably be getting into that more with Patricia because she specializes in some of these areas, but. I just want to say that, you know, guys, we really need to focus on other stuff besides deporting somebody. And then I heard from somebody that they felt like it was just another artist from out of the country. Why would we support him? About 95% of our musicians that are famous today that I have interviewed on my show and are past and gone are from other countries. So um, that's kind of hypocritical. So that's all I have to say about it. And I'm sorry, but I just think that um, we're wasting our time trying to create a petition. How ridiculous is that? I mean, you should create a petition about other things that are going on, like our healthcare system and stuff. So with that, um, I want to say Happy New Year. I don't want to start this off sound like a crazy person because I'm really not. It's just that um, 
I've had a lot of time to take this in and talking to a lot of people that are involved in this. And um, I just want to say that um, we really need to take accountability accountability for our own stuff and own it, which I'm sure he is going to be doing as well. So with that, I'm going to bring Patricia Gorman on. And Pat, that was really heavy, huh? <laughs> well, I thought it actually was a great segue into women taking care of themselves. So yeah, <laughs> which is kind of like you know, really we'll, thrown we'll by this. About. It's like it's silly. It's like you know, okay, you know, I mean, we went through it with Lindsay Lohan. We went through it with Charlie Sheen. We went through it with um, Robert Downey Jr. And look how great where he is now. He owned it. He bought it. He played it. Yeah. He, he took care of it, and you know, and now he's like a, a huge success because he realized. And you know, unless someone's willing, and you are the person that will be able to fill this all in, but unless a person is willing to take accountability for their actions and, um, and maybe some kind of, um, you know, substance abuse problems or whatever it may be, um, they're not going to get it. Unless you're ready and willing to do it. And I'm speaking from experience that people know me, how many years I've been involved in this. So there we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, you, what, you, what you're talking, what you're talking yeah. about, um, Holly, is resilience. And um, yeah. my in my book, The Resilient Woman, it's all mm-hmm. about how we can learn from the truly awful things that have happened to each of us. And just like Justin Deaver is going through a truly awful thing, it's even more awful because it's so public. Um, As the other people that that you mentioned are, it's not just that it's, oh, my God, what did I do or what did my daughter do? Um, It's also that it's public, but it allows us to also witness their growing resilience, as you just mentioned, Robert Downey Jr.'s growing resilience about how he's been able to cope and learn to cope and learn to thrive and have a wonderful life. Um, And that's what resilience is all about. It's about how do we, each of us, in our own unique way, get through the myriad of challenges that life holds for us and, you know, come out and be able to feel good about ourselves and have what I have in my last step of my seventh steps, even some gratitude for the fact that we have learned to face these different demons. And Justin Bieber's demon, you know, looks like it's, you know, alcohol and drugs. And um, But each of us have demons. Each of us have challenges. Mm-hmm. And each of us have growing resilience. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, what really, you know, Patricia, um, your book, The Resilient Woman, is really amazing. Um, And, you know, we talked about that on our show that we did last, and I invited you back after the first of the year. Because I really feel like um, New Year's resolutions are something that we really need to talk about, too, because you and I spoke about that, touched on that briefly. And just so everybody knows a little bit about Patricia, um, Patricia is a um, noted psychologist and um, a recognized public speaker for um, she's also a coach um, psychologist and a consultant to lifescape solutions in Delray Beach she also works for with women and children of alcoholics and trauma in the child welfare and mental health and substance abuse system and um, you were one of the first reachers in the children of alcoholics in the early 70s documenting the impact of alcoholism and sobriety and 
Adolescent Development and went on to create your own Department of Prevention and Education for the Natural Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence, the NCADD, which I think is amazing. And um, so you are just like a really well-rounded person and have also these amazing books that you're writing. I know you're currently working on a new one. And um, let's talk a little bit about like how we can move into the new year and about um, – you know, the things that we think we're going to do at the beginning of the year and this and that, and a little bit about what you're doing now so we can help people. Well, that's great. Thank you. And um, how timely that we have this show just at mm-hmm. the beginning of our second new year of the calendar year. Which yeah, is the, the year of the horse. New uh-huh. year. <laughs> and then I believe in the spring we have the Muslim New Year. And in yep. the fall, we have the Jewish New Year. So, you know, we have um, life gives us many opportunities to start over. So, <laughs> for those mm-hmm. of us who are working on the uh, Gregorian calendar, and um, most most people, um, for resolution for the new year involves you know taking better care of themselves, which is truly wonderful. And one month into it, which is where many of us are now. Um, most of us have given up on our resolution, which uh, usually is to lose weight. So let's uh, start talking about that. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I know. You know, right, you know we is, gained, that is true. You know, That's true. Yeah, we we've gained the extra weight over the holidays, and you know, and we, and you know, many people. We have all this, um, you know, kind of stinking thinking, uh, which, as you know, comes from another program, and. Um, we we kind of fool ourselves into saying, oh, I can eat this and I can eat that because I'm going to lose weight in the new year. And then the new year comes, which it has, and um, our resolve quickly evaporates and we wind up not losing weight and getting depressed. And, um, and if you're a woman, doing more stress eating because we know as women we do stress eating. And I just did um, a blog on this on my website, which is, my name, patriciaogorman.com, on you know on New Year's resolutions, and I talk about an, an approach there, which um, involves uh, not changing how you eat, but really changing how you live. Because if we are stress, if you are a stress eater, those of you in the audience who are like me are stress eaters, instead of counting your calories. And taking away kind of one thing that works, which is eating, why don't you look at reducing your stress? And for women, a major source of their stress is that negative inner dialogue, that inner critic that we all have, uh, that I call our girly thoughts. So I Mm -hmm. say to all of you out there, challenge those girly thoughts. You'll want to eat less popcorn. You know? <laughs> you oh, wait a minute. Stuff. I like kettle corn. Give me a break. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, popcorn is great. Chocolate is great. I like but it. not if you're using it to anesthetize yourself. Yeah, the feeling. <laughs> not good. Real quick, Pat, let me, let me say, if you got anybody wants to call in and talk to either Patricia or myself, we're ready to take your calls at three four seven six seven seven one zero three six. But we're going to get a little bit more into this. So, if you want to call in, go ahead and call in. Oh, and I want to give a shout out to um, uh, Carolyn. I hope you're listening, and Greg, and uh, my mom, and stuff like that. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> you had well, to they let call in too. Know. Yeah, <laughs> it's always good to do that, right? So yeah, yeah there you go. You know. 
But, um, yeah, getting back to that, you're talking about New Year's resolutions. You know, a lot of people make resolutions, yeah, like you said, they want to lose weight or they want to, they're going to go to the gym more or whatever. What about the people that say, I'm going to stop drinking um, or I'm going to stop smoking or whatever, and they don't really get any help except make the resolution. That's kind of like a double-edged sword because you really do need the support system to be able to accomplish any of those things, right? I mean, right, you come do. On. You, you, you absolutely do need um, mm-hmm. that, or, or p- people frequently wind up in the same situation that they were hoping to really get out to. of. They're just, yeah. well, just a dry drunk. Um, I had yep. somebody in my office um, just before the holidays, and I, I said uh, to this gentleman, I said, uh, you need to stop drinking, and we talked about all the reasons why. And he said, um, okay, well, I'll, I'll stop. You know, I'll stop January 1. I said, no. Oh, God. And he said, well, why not? That's a good date. I said, because there'll be another reason to keep drinking. There'll be the Super Bowl. Exactly. Or there'll be the, you know, the the Three Kings party or whatever. And um, so he did stop. He did stop that day. He was pissed off at me, but he stopped. But, but you know, he. Is he grateful now? Is he grateful now? Well, no, because he's in a dry drunk. Um, so, but yeah. you know, we, so we need to really, we need to really embrace the journey, which is what resilience is about. It's about embracing that journey, not just changing one behavior and getting really angry behind it. Um, and so, whether it's you know people in the audience who are um, you know struggling to not smoke, which is a really hard thing to do or not to drink, or to lose weight. Um, We need to really address what is causing us to want to do these things and get support around that and not just say, I'm going to change this behavior and my life is going to be terrific. Because those of people in your audience who are smokers know people smoke to reduce stress. They smoke because they can go outside and take 10 minutes away from work. So you know, how else are you going to reduce stress? How else are mm-hmm. you going to have that time away from what is bothering you? How else mm-hmm. are you going to, in the case of women, talk to yourself other than by beating yourself up with your girly thoughts? How else are you going to talk to yourself so you can help yourself through whatever it is you're doing? And um, and it's about really learning to be kinder to ourselves um, so we can, by the way, be kinder to other people and be kinder to the world. It kind of goes that way, you know. <laughs> no, so, totally. You know, I understand yeah, that. So people who need to stop drinking need to stop drinking, but they also need to start living because what our drinking does and our smoking does and our beating ourselves up with our girly thoughts does is it taps down who we are. This isn't who we are. This is how we're treating ourselves, but this isn't yeah. who we are. Absolutely, and you know, you mentioned about a dry drunk. There's function. There are functioning alcoholics too, and those functioning Absolutely. alcoholics. And um, you know, it's not just about drinking either. It's about other things. I mean, I know um, from my own personal experience when I when I was uh, um, raising my daughter as a young adult, and I was involved in quite a few things and good things. And um, but I found myself doing retail therapy things. Do you know what I mean? Thinking, mm. oh, if I get this really pretty towel, maybe I'll feel better when, you know. No, it's not. And then you realize it's like 
you finally realize later on down the line it's not the things that really are going to make you feel better. It's the things that um, are just happening that you need to take accountability for. So I totally get what you're saying about that, and the thing that really bothers me the most, I think, well, not really bothers me, but the thing that really gets under my skin with people is that they don't own their part on it. They think everyone else is to blame for it. So they're like, um, you know, looking to blame someone else. And the thing is, you don't want to blame yourself, blame other people. You want to take accountability for what you're doing, right? So I'm sorry I got off on all this, but we want to talk about your book and The Resilient Woman and how we but, can come well, into you know, being that's beautiful. The, being a victim, but being a victim is part of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we, yeah. when we don't, Look, when we don't own our power, including how we have used our power to do something that maybe we wish we hadn't done, then we feel like a victim, and and victims don't have power. So the way out of this trap is to look at yourself, uh, look at what you've done, and by the way, my first step is look what you've learned from it. You know, um, you know, it's so therefore you can build on that. Um, when we were all babies. All of us, mm-hmm. everyone listening, um, we decided on some level we were going to walk. And we, you know, we may have gone about that a bunch of different ways. We may have crawled backwards real fast in an attempt to walk. We may have climbed the curtains in an attempt to walk. Um, and certainly when we started pulling ourselves upright, we fell down a ton of times. You know what? It didn't stop us. We had no. a goal. Mm-hmm. We had a goal, we, you know, and we, we said we could do it. We can do it. No one got discouraged and said, oh, I've tried it four times. It didn't work. I'm just going to stay in my playpen. You know, I, everyone in the audience had that passion to walk. We had that passion to talk. We learned to read. We learned to play sports. Um, we can set our minds to doing all sorts of incredible things. Um and we can set our minds towards redefining ourselves. And we don't have to feel that because awful things have happened to us that we're a victim. We can say awful things have happened to us. What am I going to do to make sure they don't keep happening to me? Um, and that is resilience. And we all have it. We just It's like our secret weapon. The unfortunate thing is it's secret to us. <laughs> we have to make, you know, we have to make it not so secret to ourselves so we can enjoy the skills we've developed, which by the way most people in our life know we have. You know, your boss probably takes advantage of your resilience because it allows you to do things that she or he needs you to do and uh your partner probably knows that, you know, you'll handle it so you don't need a lot of attention on this and they can go do whatever they were going to do, and your kids kind of rely on you to be resilient and multitask and you know, help them get through what they need to get through. So we need to, as women, really help ourselves get through this stuff so we don't get caught in the victim trap. It is a trap. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. You, know, you ever hear two totally. women arguing about mm-hmm. who has it worse? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Oh, totally. Have, yep, yep. And the thing is, you know, it what really gets me is everybody has stuff going on, no matter what it is. We all have issues about something, and everybody's life isn't perfect. There's always going to be some sort of little issue there, right? So 
you yeah. know, to to think that our issues are more important than the next person, you don't know because everybody has a level of their own. This is what I've been trying to tell anyone that's in my life. I have my own level of of stress that I can handle, and I may not be as I may not be able to handle as much stress as the next person, but then I may be able to handle more about something else than the next person. And mm-hmm. so that doesn't make me any better or worse. It just makes it so that I've I've know I've learned how to manage certain things in my life. And just because certain people aren't acting or 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 responding the way that I want them to to what I'm saying doesn't mean that I'm right or they're wrong. It just means that Everybody has a level, a threshold. It's like, you know, um, you know, like you said, you, we just, you know, people complain about what each other has wrong with them and mine's worse than yours and this and that. It's not about competition. It's mm-hmm. about getting real, you know. So I get it. And, and yeah, and our, you know, what we can handle varies at different points in time. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, in my book, The Resilient Woman, I talk about different styles of resiliency because resiliency is something that is formed by how we handle rough stuff that comes at us. And mm-hmm. we, we will form a certain way we do that. And um, we can shift that if we become aware of that. But I talk about six different styles of resilience in my book, and uh, there are some people, for example, um, many women who have what I call paradoxical resilience, um, they are really resilient at work and they go home and they go into kind of a one-down situation and uh, where they're not using their resilience. Um, we've just had um, you know, truly compelling statistics that have come out and been publicized this week um, by President Obama about the high level of rape in college campuses. Now, it's, it's a terrible thing that's happening, but what's stunning, come there's not much more noise about it. In some ways, women have learned to accept this. Yeah, and, they um, have, and you know why else? Because people want to focus on other crap like Justin Bieber instead of talking about what's really happening in the world. That's what I meant by saying yeah, we yeah, need to focus yeah. on the real stuff. You know, right. instead of nitpicking, right? right. So, so that's we, horrible. I di- I didn't I didn't hear that. So what yeah, else? One what, in five women on college campuses have been sexually abused. So you may see this really resilient, brilliant, um, you know, psychology major or music major who's, you know, hitting all the points and doing really well in school, and yet doesn't use her resilience in the intimate part of her life emotionally to set limits on, on the men she's with. That mm-hmm. kind of paradoxical resilience is something I talk about in my book, where women don't somehow assert themselves in their intimate relationships, but will feel much more comfortable asserting themselves in their work relationships. So we have, all of us have different styles of how we're resilient. And um, we can, by making all this conscious, we can develop a style of resilience, of using our strengths, that is more comfortable for us. Um, you know, there are some women who um, are... Are you there, Pat? Pat? 
I can't hear you. <laughs> I think we've lost Pat. Um, let's see if maybe she can call back in. Pat, if you can hear me, call back. I'm not sure if Pat's still there, but we're going to find out right now. Let's play a song really quick. guys I'm sorry losing my guest um, she keeps trying to call in and we're not really sure why the why is shutting down maybe it was because it was such a good show and we're talking about the truth and real stuff um, hopefully she'll be able to call back in um, I am going to try to call her again right now and make sure she calls in in the meantime I just want to make sure you know next week um, we have a show on a special edition show on um, Tuesday, and um, let me see, Pat, is that you? Uh, this is I, yes, hi. Oh, there, you're <laughs> finally back. Wow, that was so weird. That was so weird. Now I've got to go in and edit my show afterwards. Ah, darn, no, that's okay. No, it's all right. You know, the real thing is better than nothing anyway, so you're you're here. That's right. Yeah. We were so talking were about saying, getting through trials, and here we just had one. I know. <laughs> You know, I'm going to tell you something really funny. Um, My shows, it's really funny. There are times that I'll do a show about a subject that may be a little too much for somebody or somebody just doesn't want to hear. And um, like one show is going to be with Al Capone's uh, granddaughter. And um, it was really funny. We were on the air and... uh, the show went out and it went out until five minutes before my show was supposed to end and so we really didn't understand what was going on so if anyone is like hijacking my show or listening or whatever (laughs) knock it off so um 
you know, because I've already got a, I've got a message in. I just put a ticket into the help desk, so for the studio. But let's carry on with this because this is a really good show, and I think it's important. If anyone would like to call in, again, um, it's three four seven six seven seven one zero three six. And today, my guest is Dr. Patricia O'Gorman. She's a noted psychologist and author, and um, we're talking about the resilient woman and many other things that go along with that. And the show will be available on iTunes afterwards and also on demand on Red Velvet Media, Blog Talk Radio. If you're just now joining us, the chat room is open if you'd like to go into there. Um, For anyone that's in the chat room, thank you for being there. And you can also listen to the show if you missed the beginning afterwards. So there, go. (laughs) (laughs) You're a resilient woman, Holly. (laughs) I Oh man, there are days I don't feel like I'm very resilient, but um, yeah. today I feel really good because I always love talking to you, and you and I have talked off the air quite a few times. And um, yes, you're a really good person, a good friend, and a really, really inspirational person to me as well. Because um, even the going through horrible things. Um, you're always happy. It just seems like, you know, not horrible, but just trialing things. You seem like you always are centered. So what tips could you give to somebody in regards to owning and having their own happiness? How's that? Well, uh, that's great. And, um, you know, I know that there are people in your audience, even though you may think I feel sunny and happy all the time, um, at times I'm overwhelmed. Um, Life life can be very challenging and i have as you know one of my resiliency styles if you will um you know that at times um we're overwhelmed and that's kind of you know mm-hmm. we don't have access to our resilience right then and there and um what we need to do and i know there are people in your audience right now who are just feeling overwhelmed and what they need to do, to do or can do for themselves is to remind themselves that they will get back to who they are, that who they are will come back. They they just need to hold their pain, if you will, but also, on the other hand, hold what that pain is going to teach them. And so how do we, how do we focus on our, our happiness? First of all, um, since we're women, we're not walking around thinking about being happy all day. We're thinking about the list. <laughs> We've mm-hmm. all got a list in our head about what it is we have to accomplish. So thinking about the list, what's on the list that you don't want to go through again? I mean, what is it that you um, have either put off or has come back to rear its ugly head and you tell yourself, this is it, I'm not going through this again? Oh, totally. How many times yeah, I've heard that from other people, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, you've got to begin focusing in on, you know, what you're going to learn, so therefore you don't have to keep going round and round, at least on this one. And, uh, you know, my second step that I have towards building resilience is all about beginning to turn up the volume on your own voice that says what it is you need. And in order to be, you know, to really be resilient, in order to feel happy, we've got to know what's going on inside of us. And for so many of us, um, you know, you know, in the audience, um, it's, you know, what we listen to is we listen to all the shoulds, and we should mm-hmm. on ourselves all day long, and we don't listen to that other little voice in there, 
and turn up the volume and make it a big voice, which is what I call the voice of our resilience, that Mm -hmm. if we listen to it, you know, may point us in a direction that people will say, wow, what got into you? Well, (laughs) what got into me is me. (laughs) I I don't want to play this game anymore. Um, You know, I don't want to do this anymore. Or, you know, we were talking about rape in college campuses, you know, young woman saying, you know, I'm leaving this party now. It's It's got a bad vibe coming. I don't want it. No, I'm not going to take a drink from a stranger. You know, it's these are horrible things that we all have to deal with, but we all have to deal with them. So we need to turn up the voice of our own wisdom that is telling us what to do, that, you know, as women, we're somehow less comfortable listening to than guys are. So, um, you know, my step three is to set up helpful boundaries and what i mean by helpful is again listening to yourself what it is you need not put a label on it and say it's healthy not healthy beat yourself up because you haven't had a yogurt and your carrot for lunch you know it's like mm-hmm. really figure out what is helpful for you and as we begin to tune into who we are and what it is we need and begin to learn to put things in perspective those are the elements for having a happy life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's you know, and we. It, what's very interesting. I mean, we were talking about alcohol before. Is um, I think back in the 1600s, alcohol began being called spirits. Mm-hmm. And and the reason why it was called spirits is that people felt it was a shortcut to having a spiritual experience. Because alcohol took you out of yourself, and um, which is what spirituality does. It takes us out of ourselves, and it gives us a perspective. It gives us transcendence. Um, in my new book, I talk more about spirituality, and that's the Resilient Woman's Guide to Girly Thoughts. Uh, we'll be, I'll be talking more about spirituality, but with alcohol, that's why um, you know some historians feel. You know, we called alcohol spirits because it was felt to be a shortcut way to get there. So mm-hmm. we know that it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, you know, relying on that in order to solve your problems doesn't work. But listening to yourself and learning from past experience does work. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with you on that one. And the thing is, that's why a lot of people need to either accept it or not accept it. Um, I want to just say something really quick. Um, I'm reading some news feed that I'm just getting in from somebody, and there's <laughs> this is this is another example of, of how we just, like, don't focus on what's really important. People are saying there could be a beginning of World War III in their house, but we'd still be looking for something about Justin Bieber and the breaking news. Right now, I guess they just, um, they won't leave this kid alone. I, seriously, they're searching his plane in Canada and and saying that they brought dogs on and everything trying to find something, and there was nothing on the plane. So I don't know why we don't just let – I mean, the guy obviously needs help. We know that. Everybody needs yes. help, you know, in one way or another. We need to allow somebody to be able to get the help that they need or even emotional help that the person might need instead of making it so that the person is scared shitless, okay, to take to, to walk down the street. I mean, you know, come on now. It's like it's like enough already. Let's talk about the real stuff in the world that's going on and 
stuff that's important, not that that's not important, but like the show here, we're talking about real stuff. Um, that's interesting well, that's- about the spirit thing. I I had heard about that um, briefly, a little bit about that. Um, about this in that being involved in the rooms and stuff and hearing what right. people say about it yeah i've heard that um that's interesting well it's you know we all need perspective we all need mm-hmm. a way of leaving where we are and being able to see it from another vantage point and um when we are able to do that um then we can appreciate who we are and our role in our own life um, and we can also develop compassion, which is what I think you're talking about with Justin Beaver. Um, mm-hmm. Compassion for his plight, and by the way, his mother's plight. Um, this was a very poor family with an extraordinary child that she raised, you know, out of incredible poverty. Um, and, uh, you know, and he's a success, and that's wonderful. And um, we we have so many of our childhood stars um, who get caught up in drugs and alcohol. Um, Colleen mm-hmm. McClock, um, you know, Lindsay Lohan, you know, the list is long. But what they have in common is um, having fame very early and um, really getting, you know, warped, not warped in a permanent way, but kind of seeing a warped view of the world and themselves, and um, they need compassion, just like anybody else um, who who goes through this. And I think we can do that. But to give compassion for somebody else also means we have to have some compassion for ourselves um, mm-hmm. and feel and feel for ourselves and appreciate ourselves. And if we're really going to appreciate someone else, and I know it's so. I think what you're saying is it's so easy to rush to judgment of someone else and we do yeah, that. Yeah, that's what they're because doing. We're, we're, yeah, we're judging ourselves and how yeah, we women do it through these girly thoughts. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, so we need, to, yeah. we need to stop our girly thoughts, you know, embrace Justin Beaver and then we'll lose weight. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, my whole thing is, the reason I'm really kind of ang- well, not really angry, I'm just irritated by the whole thing, is because, the, okay, he he may have some issues. We all have issues. Let the guy get help. Quit trying to, um, like, it's stupid. It's like they're just looking for more stuff to try to make it even more of a dramatic situation. And this show is not completely about all this, but it's just a good example, like I said. We've had people that have had issues. We never talked about deporting people or blacklisting them in in Hollywood. An example, like I said, is Robert Downey Jr. Look at him. Look where he was. Look at the crazy stuff that happened. And now he's, like, really a good guy. I mean, he's doing what he needs to do. He's walking the walk, talking the talk, and and, um, doing some good stuff for people. And, you know... um, we need to focus on that this isn't the first person that this has happened to. It's just ridiculous what the media is just like so so jealous. It seems like there's a lot of jealousy. We've got a lot of calls on the line. Do you want me to take them? Sure. <laughs> let's see who's on hold first. Um, let's see here. I'm going to bring one on at a time because I've got a lot of calls. Um, 907, you're on the air. 
Hello, 907. Did you want me to mute you so you can listen to the show, the rest of the show? I'll just mute you. If you have anything to say, just let me know. Okay? Let's see here. 516, you're on the air. Who's this? Hello, Holly. It's Hugh. Happy... Hi, Hugh. How are you? It's so great to have you calling in. Well, (laughs) I just had to call in because you, as the love ambassador are going to make a whole change in people's lives today by showing spirituality is where it's at. And let's send Justin Bieber our prayers instead of yeah. our hate. And Isn't that horrible see, what they're doing? So and, and let's say if at least there for the grace of God go I and be grateful for what we have in our lives and extend that gratitude into our families and our communities and globally and create a world based on unconditional love. And as a love ambassador, I know that <laughs> you're doing everything you can, and it's so great to have uh, Dr. O'Gorman on speaking yeah, about she's amazing. Things. Yeah, I want you to meet her. Um, Patricia, this is Hugh. And, yeah, you know what? I'm going to have Harold Becker from the Love Hi. Foundation on next week, so you got to tune in for that. That's going to be cool. Yeah, Pat, I'm a love ambassador for the Global Love Foundation, and um, that might sound a little strange, but um, – it's a really amazing foundation. Um, they help about spreading the awareness and global love throughout the world, and we also do quite a lot of other things, um, poetry, um, contests. We do a lot of different things, helping people, showing people love unconditionally, and trying to bring about an awareness of it. So, yes, yeah, so I wanted you two to meet, Patricia. Um, oh, nice. has been a very long time fan of my show red velvet media and again if you missed the beginning of the show you may want to check it out on itunes afterwards and on demand um but yeah so q does a lot of work um also with uh people and helps to bring about an awareness as well to a lot of people through spirituality and writing and stuff like that terrific we need we you know like-minded people need Mm -hmm. to group together to create a force to really bring other people in who want to be in and don't know how to enter how can somebody join your 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 mission Mm -hmm. how you know how can your listeners you know who are listening join your mission and become a love ambassador what can they do i mean how can they find you you know i just yeah um um, how could we get in touch with you, um, Hugh, if anyone wants to reach you? You checked oh, in on my you're... show now and then, too. I thought she was talking about you because you're the love ambassador. No, you, 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 Hugh. And you know what? It's really great. <laughs> we're getting we're getting some Twitters here. Um, and I want to give a shout-out to Bizelle. Is it Bizelle at um, Diana um, Hadouris? Um, I want to say um, you're really great. Twittering um, about the show today And yes I totally feel strongly And Patricia does too As well as um, the situation With Justin Bieber Um, We are big supporters Of trying to get him Any kind of help he might need I mean we all as young adults Know that we go through things But you know what they're doing is ridiculous And uh, I totally am pro for him 100% all the way So there you go we're getting Twitters on that, Pat. That's great. Yeah. 
That's kind of cool. You you hit a nerve bringing that up. <laughs> I well, you know why? You know why? It really hit a nerve with me because I'm yeah. friends with a lot of A-listers in Hollywood. I don't even yeah. want to go there. I have seen people go through it, all right? And you know, for us to start focusing on somebody to deport them. Like I said, 98% of our music in the world, or maybe even more so, is from out of the country. So all these people mm-hmm. that are talking about, and people already knows that I love music because I've had everyone on my show from the Ramones to whatever. You know, you just, mm-hmm. you know, they're all from out of the out of the state. So what is it? I mean, it's because the kid um, does something really good. Um, people are jealous. Um, what's the deal here? You know, just like stop. This is ridiculous. This is so stupid. But, um, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, look, the Beatles came from England. I mean, and what are they? They're iconic, right? So are we, were we throwing, throwing them out? I remember, I remember something about John and Yoko. They were trying to deport him, and that never happened. Right. A, a freaking, um, uh, what is it, um, a petition? You've got to be kidding me. This is so stupid. It's so dumb, you know? It's like when I saw the well, petition you know, thing, I was, like, arguing with people about it. Well, what goes around comes around. I mean, people have to be careful what they invite into their life, and if they invite in punishment into their life for every transgression, um, then they're inviting that, um, you know, to to also be the recipient of that, not just the giver of that. And um, I think so many of our spiritual teachings really mm-hmm. teach the opposite of that. They don't teach blame and hatred. Um, they teach uh, forgiveness and reconciliation. Yeah, and, and we need, you know, we we need to be careful of what what we're pulling in and jumping on, um, because uh, you know it can come back at us. So I, you know, I agree with you that we need to understand Justin Bieber, but we I Maybe think the way there right is now. to understand ourselves. So we don't keep beating up ourselves, and therefore we don't feel we've got to dish it out to everyone else. So yeah, and you, and you know what really pisses me off? We're really I'm sorry to say this, but really does piss me off is that I see people that are talk show hosts on the TV. Okay, listen, I've been there too. I've got I've got following as well, you know, and I'm not sitting here talking about. Who did what? I mean, what? Oh, so and so did this, and so and so did that. I mean, you know, come on, guys, get real. This is like, this is like everyday life. And you know, when you focus more on someone's weakness, like this guy, he may have some issues, and I, I would have issues. I'd be scared shitless to walk through anywhere if somebody was like blaming me for stuff or trying to make me feel like I'm responsible for something that happened without even saying and without even knowing it. He has not been proven guilty on any of this. In fact, he right. pled not guilty. So the thing is here, guys, you know, what really gets me upset is I know that other people are going through things as well, and we don't talk about <laughs> it, even though we all know about it. We know about Charlie Sheen. I mean, come on, now he's doing Fiat commercials on TV, and everybody thinks it's really cool. He's got a, he's got a, uh, um, uh, what is it called? Um, when you're sent home with, I forgot when you're when it's what you're, what it's called when you wear the bracelet around your ankle. I mean, he made a big deal out of that. He made fun out of it. I mean, come on, that was just pretty fun, you know. So like, leave the kid alone. God. Like, he's young. You know, I'd hate to see. This is my biggest fear. So many people that go through this, 
what ends up happening is they become so emotionally distraught and so emotionally wounded by this, and people turn on them, and it's like where the fans are. And you know what happens? They turn up and they end up hurting themselves, and that's so bad, so bad. And I will be very upset if anyone tries to, if he goes to that point where he's on suicide watch or something like that, it's because we have pushed him there. We have. Yeah. We've created yeah. some crazy shit. So, sorry, I went off on that too. <laughs> no, no, but you bring a good point about how we we have within us the power to create positive things or create negative things. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. a question of where do we direct our power. And if we can understand as women um, that we have this power as opposed to... <coughs> you know, being overwhelmed by it or, or um, needing to um, say it's not feminine, which some women feel, um, then we can say, okay, what do I want to do about this? Yeah. Or about this child in my community, not just Justin Bieber. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, you know what, this is the thing. He He's, you know, he he, he messed up maybe with just, Doing fun things. I mean, how many how many of us have gone out? Patricia, have you ever gone out on Halloween on Mischief Night? We call it Mischief Night back east and never toilet paper in anybody's yard or anything. I know I have. It wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been safe in my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> well where where I lived out I grew in, up in a pretty hardcore neighborhood. We you know, oh. it's like Okay, well other things. Yeah, happen. I mean come on though, but I mean, haven't you heard? Come on, people do it. They go out, they have mm-hmm. fun. Right? Like, come on. And then, you know, people are living life. That's what it's all about. It's, like, about living life and not being judgmental. And mm-hmm. the message in the music, a lot of the music that I've heard that he's done is, is pretty po- is, is all positive, really, yeah. stuff, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to make this all about what's going on, but I do want to say that, you know, if anyone pushes him to the point of where, like I said, he's got some serious emotional issues that come from this, then you know what? Um, I think that we're all going to be held responsible for it. So there you go. That's my thought on this, and I think that it really sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have a lot of you have a lot of company and support in that. But, you know, again, it's just a manifestation of mm-hmm. what we do to ourselves. In fact, what most women do to themselves is so much worse than what they do to anybody else. So, you know, whatever vehemence is going towards Justin Bieber, it's probably ten times that what most women put themselves through every day with the negative inner dialogue they have, their girly thoughts. And and then they'll lash out, like at a Justin Bieber or someone else, because mm-hmm. all day long they're in that space of doing it to themselves. Yeah, you know, you talked about the resolution briefly. We talked about that before I kind of went off on a few things that I really just really feel is really important. And I'm sorry, I just really feel this is important because I've had a lot of conflicts with people talking about the petition thing, and I was like, God, you guys are so stupid. You know, that's just the most absurd thing. It's like they have to focus on that rather than what's really going on. Like you said with President Obama, what he said about the mm-hmm. colleges and the people that are getting hurt. Um, you know, what about our health care system and stuff right now and all that, too? 
Right. I mean, there there are there are real issues, but part of what yeah. happens is that we get so overwhelmed by how much information is coming at us that mm-hmm. we seize on things that feel more immediate and that are easier to get our minds around. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, you know, we so we focus on kind of these micro, you know, issues. And um, we'll focus on that because it's hard to figure out health care and it's hard to figure out how to prevent rape on college campuses. But one kid screwing up, that we can relate to. And that's a no. Yeah. It's stupid. Yeah. (laughs) It's stupid. I mean, come on. You know what? I have a daughter, okay? My daughter, um, she's done some pretty crazy stuff too. But um, am I, I mean, it's like, you know, am I going to start start crazy stuff? No, I'm not going to do that. And I've got a lot of friends that are, you know, have been there and have gone through it. Like we talked about Robert Downey Jr., Charlie Sheen, Lindsay Lohan. I mean, the list is endless. We never talked about deporting these people. They became resilient. Right. They went ahead. They got right. the help they needed, right? right. So they, and they, they began went, they to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, they realized they had an emotional need that they needed to get addressed. And you know what? Anyone that's in the entertainment industry is going to have some issues because, you know what, it's not fun. I know what it's like to be around that and to know all of a sudden you're the it girl and everyone wants a piece of you or wants to talk to you or wants to know who you are or what you're doing. And then everybody, somebody's going to create some kind of drama to talk about it or, or, or how they know that person or whatever and try to drag themselves and make them part of it. That's part of just like setting setting your priorities and stuff like you talked about, Patricia, being resilient and making the proper um, type of, you know, choices. So, again, if you missed the beginning of the show, you can check it out. It'll be on iTunes, and it will also be on demand on Red Velvet Media, and I'm on every Wednesday and Friday. And, um, again, today is Dr. Patricia O'Gorman, and... Um, Patricia, I want to ask you a question really quick about your new book that you're writing because oh, we didn't good. touch on that yet. So we'll ha- I'll have to come back. <laughs> <laughs> we have time. I extended the show, Patricia. If you have time. No, that's okay. I can come back. Um, the book will I be out this I want to hear fall. about your book. Don't you dare tell Okay, me well, it will be out this this fall, and it's a mm-hmm. workbook. Um, the reception the resilient woman has had has been – so amazing that I'm doing a second book, a workbook, that is going to be expanding on all the ideas in The Resilient Woman and giving um, women even more exercises to do so therefore they can begin to develop their resilience consciously and they can begin to confront that inner critic, their girly thoughts, mm-hmm. um, and, um, and get that out of the way so they really can enjoy the strengths that they do have and that's what my book is about and it's called um the working title and i'd love to hear from anybody in your audience um who wants to suggest a title because um this is the working title um and i'm open to suggestions here but it's the resilient woman's guide to girly thoughts how to say no to your inner critic Mm -hmm. so well, let me tell you, let me tell you, you've written some really good parenting books and um the parenting handbook that you had that went along with that that I personally um took that course. 
That was right. amazing. And so I think the handbook along to the resilient woman is a really great idea because then it's kind of like journaling, right? It's like it's yes. like you're going to it's yeah, so you're actually looking at what it is you're doing, right? In your book, could you describe a little more how it's going to inner inner weave with your book that you have? Is it going to be are you going to be doing some classes and stuff and traveling with this? Cuz I hope so. I will be Yep, I will be doing classes and traveling with this and also developing a curriculum um, mm-hmm. to be used in treatment centers, outpatient and inpatient uh, treatment centers with women with eating problems, um, which is what we started the show with, uh, with alcohol and drug problems, mental health problems. So therefore, they can, um, they can identify what is going on that they have immediate control over that will reduce mm-hmm. their stress level, so therefore they can then put more of their resources towards their recovery. Just this week I showed a, um, a video that I have, I believe I have up on my website, if not it's coming up soon, of a TV show I did uh, with Dr. Tina Cahill in New Jersey. Oh, how cool. And, and, yeah, and um, I showed it to a group of women in inpatient rehab, and they loved it. I mean, they loved the concept of girly thoughts, they love the concept that they have been disempowering themselves. Um, one woman shared that she realized that hanging out in a bar and watching her boyfriend play pool, and she said, I hate pool, but I was in a bar because I'm alcoholic, so I like that part of it. But, you know, just doing that and wasting so many hours watching him so he would feel good, um, you know, about her involvement, but then when she would ask him for something, he would say no. And she said, I don't know why I did that for so long. Well, she wasn't listening to herself. She wasn't feeling she could say no, that she was empowered. And, you know, she was, you know, it was another excuse to be in a bar. But um, she got it that this was like her girly thoughts saying, I need a guy. And if this is the guy I have, okay, I'll, I'll make it work, as opposed to saying, you know, loser, <laughs> I don't need you, and it's not helping mm. me. That's, you know, so, you know, I'm, so I am, I'm going to be, I'm talking in Toronto, Cleveland, Denver, and oh, Massachusetts wow. this, this spring so far. <laughs> so you're so, really, you're really, you're really getting out there. You're going out and really going full throttle with this. That's really excellent. That's, um, yes. That's kind of a cool thing because I know that for me, it's like um, when I go, I I journal pretty much every day just because Uh if I'm not in touch with what I'm doing and really what's going on around about me, then I can reflect on it in my book. And, yeah, there were some things that really ticked me off this year um, already so far, and one of them is the things that we've been talking about today. So it's just kind of like, to me, I think that a lot of people really need to really um, look and be proactive, like going to some seminars that you'll be doing, speaking engagements. Um, I know that your book is really something that you've been working on, and I know that a lot of times I've been getting trying to get you on the show to talk about your book. And I apologize we talked about what we did today, but I think it was really important and it really had a yes. – had a parallel to everything that you are about because yes. I really think that um, what advice would you give to Justin if he were listening um, today to any of this? Because I think it's really important that um, 
you know, you as a person would really be able to give him some advice. Well, what I would say to him and to his mother, because I think I think he's very close to his mother, from mm-hmm. um, what I what I understand is, um, you know, figure out how to make this right for you, and know your fans will love you. You've got to love you. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and you anesthetizing yourself to this level, if it's true, that's not loving you. So mm-hmm. how do you really embrace? Self-love, and I don't mean that in a selfie way, you know, but in a grateful way for being grateful for who you are and the gifts you've been given. So how do you do that? And, you know, all of us grow through crisis. None of us grow on a sunny day on a beach and we say, okay, I'm going to change myself. No, we're too comfortable. This is a crisis, and we can grow through crises. And so I encourage him to figure out how to grow through this crisis um, for himself and for his fans because mm-hmm. obviously his fans are going to be watching him and many are rooting for him. So what he does with this is going to have a profound impact on other young people uh, who are confronting the same temptations he's confronting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's pretty. that's a pretty um, spot on. That's pretty spot on with that. I think that it's really important. And I think also you um, mentioned like just a person now. We're talking like just like us. We would want our mm-hmm. family to support us. So right. in any kind of crisis situation that we're going through, I think family is really important. And also it's really hard, I think, for a lot of people when they are going through something that people try to tear the family apart. That's the first place it starts. And I really think I think it's crazy if somebody is going to go and try to pull, like you know, if you're going through something and you share it with your husband or your kids or your or whomever is in your household, and then they automatically find a conflict with it. Yeah. What do you do? What do you do? Well, then you need you need you know. We need to find full wells that we can drink from. And in a family where love is present but not available, we need to find other people who will feed us. We can still love our family. They can still love us. But if they can't be emotionally present, we need to go to our extended family, to the family we all create. Um, All of us are born into a vertical family of generations, but we create horizontally out of our friends and our associates and our neighbors. We create family there. So if we can't get at one place, we need to honor this need, not anesthetize it, and get our needs taken care of someplace else. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. all of us, all of us came from a village where this stupid idea, excuse me, of nuclear family didn't exist because mm-hmm. you were raised by the women. There was the woman who gave birth to you, but there were all these other women. And there was the father who fathered you, but there were all these other men. And everyone loved the children and helped the children grow. And we need to embrace that that's more natural for us. So if we can't get this in our family then get it somewhere else. You can still love your family, but it may not be that they take care of all your needs. Yeah, you know, I I agree with you on that one. And another thing is if if we – there are places to get help as well. 
that we did talk about earlier. And I know that you are a huge advocate for children of alcoholics and um, created this group. So let's talk a little bit more about that. You're the co-founder of National Association for Children of Alcoholics, and you're on the advisory board, and um, you're also the clinical director of Child Welfare Agency, which is a pretty heavy thing to carry. yeah, I, I, you know, I was, I, I'm no longer there. After 15 years of working in child mm-hmm. welfare, I'm not, I'm not there. This is, this is about taking our resilience. I mean, my story is about understanding experiences I've been through and realizing I'm not alone. And my path has been, how do I reach other children who are out there who also are dealing with things and not having immediate support? So a group of us got together, and we decided we would found the National Association for Children of Alcoholics. It was a group effort, Mm -hmm. and we are an advocacy group to really bring the needs of children to the attention of legislators, to the attention of ministers, to the attention of doctors. Um, So therefore, so that these children which I was one and many of your listeners um, were one, uh, we're not invisible anymore. And it's mm-hmm. not that, you know, our parents should be, we should be ripped away from our parents. No. Um, but we should be supported. <clears throat> and our parents should be supported. And we have wonderful self-help organizations. Um, you know, you mentioned AA and there's Al-Anon and there's ACOA and there's Alateen. But we have to be able N-N-A. to get people to them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. NA and Naranon and, you know, we we need to be able to get people to them and, and to know about them and to know that, you know, help and recovery is possible. But children live lives controlled by adults, so we need to reach the adults to let them know to look for the children and to bring hope to the children. And it's it's a very it's a very possible journey but it is a journey it's not you know it's not one stop shopping for people who are dealing with this level of pain and trauma but um we build resilience by how we get through our pain and trauma yeah you know that's so true and a lot of people don't really realize that there are things out there to help you. And the thing is also we want to say that we want to make the room safe for people too. And right. um, that's the most important thing I think that we need to do and let people know is these are, they have to be safe rooms. So, you know, um, what what advice would you give to a young adult that really wants to get some help um, and they don't know where to go or ask for it. I mean, you sit before guidance counselors at school, especially the bullying that's going on in school. Come on, guys. That's ridiculous, too. You know, what What? What? Right. what have you encountered with that? Well, um, there are lots of supports in every community, and for kids who feel, or parents of kids um, who feel that their child is being isolated, um, reach out to the supports that exist in your community. And they're going to be different in every community, but it may be a house of worship um, in your community that mm-hmm. is really um, understanding and supportive of children and, by the way, of their parents. Um, it it may be the school. Um, 
it may be a group of parents who get together. Um, you know, you're upset, and you know, you know, Molly's mother's upset. So you talk to Molly's mother, and you pull in Frank's mother, and um, you make something happen. We can make things happen. We don't have to live with the status quo. Um, of this, but yes, bullying has been around for a very long time. I mean, I was bullied, you were bullied, probably. Um, it's, you know, but we have now children who have access and permission because it's been so popularized um, to take extreme measures. And um, that's not helpful. That's our media not being helpful. And, um, you know, it's, you know, social media, it's, it popularizes solutions, permanent solutions to temporary problems, um, and that's not helpful. So I think, I think you know, start where you are, reach out to those people that you know, see what you can make happen, pull in the good people, um, and they're again, they're different in every community, um, but you know, the worst as a as a psychologist in New York State. The worst kind of pain I have seen a child have is pain that was unseen. Pain that's seen. Oh, that's seen. so true. Unseen pain. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we need yep. to we need to see the pain of our children or of the children who live next door, um, wherever that is, to witness that pain and to let that child know you see it. You're not alone with it. Um, if it's child abuse or neglect, you can call that into an 800 number. It is anonymous in every state, um, and there will be an investigation of something. But if it's more subtle and you know you're you know it's just you see an unhappy kid, you can reach out to that that child. Um, you can you know you can you can send love prayers, good wishes. And an apple pie, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Seriously. There's a lot we can do, and it doesn't have to be big. It's the small things that can make a difference. So, mm-hmm. you know, and and the thing is also, you talked about um, with your book, The Resilient Woman, and it's gotten really great reviews. Is having yeah. people being able to tune into their inside thoughts, their girly thoughts, and um, yes. as you want to say, because we were talking about how people really need to listen to their in, in, in their inner self. I mean, I know on a daily basis there's a lot of times I'll be sitting there and I'll be trying to make a judgment, not a judgment, but a decision. I'm sorry, not I don't try to judge people, but a decision. And a lot of times I'll hear that small voice, you know, on, inside of me saying, oh, well, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And I find that most of the time if I time to really listen to what I'm really all about and what I'm doing, I really get more perspective on it, and it's also really guided me. It's like I think that we all have inner things inside that will also help us guide us, you know, on our on our own journey, wherever that may be, you know. Right. Um, yeah, what I, I think, what I really suggest people do is when and yeah. death, take a breath. A breath. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we can regroup in a breath. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just, it's that small. It's that simple. It's that direct. Take a breath. Listen. And then, okay, what do I need to do here? Yeah, you know what? Um, I think also, how to, let's talk about setting healthy boundaries, because I know you're really good at um, discussing that. What would you 
tell somebody to help to um, help them create healthy boundaries? Well, it's it's not healthy actually. It's helpful, which is very different than healthy. You know, healthy I think for women um, has become a value judgment. You know, this is healthy. Oh my God, I'm being unhealthy. And what I found working with women clinically, that if I have a conversation with them where I'm not talking about healthy, but I'm talking about helpful, and Mm -hmm. I'll ask them, is what you're doing helpful to you? It is good. Okay, how can you build on this and continue to do helpful things? If what you're doing is not helpful, why are you not being helpful for yourself? And that's a totally different conversation than healthy versus non-healthy, you know. And I have found it's a more nuanced conversation and really gets women to think. And that's my goal, is to have women think about what they need, what they're doing for other people that they can do for themselves as well. In most cases, it doesn't have to be either or. You just got to take care of yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. And as women, we deserve to be taken care of. Also by ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I totally, I totally understand that part of it. And you know, um, our young children too need to learn how to take care of themselves as well, without going and doing things that are going to hurt themselves. I think that's important too. And then also not being judged so much. I think people judging right. others is so bad. Um, right. Neil, you also discussed with me, I remember last time that we had our show, uh, you told me a little bit how you got into becoming a psychologist and becoming Dr. Patricia O'Gorman. Um, how did that all start? What? Um, how did you get to where you are today? Well, I, I, I got here through... Um, I guess my own road of, road towards resilience. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I, I started um, by realizing when I was a, a young child uh, that I was growing up in a family that had some really crazy problems that were pretty public in our community. Um, but I also realized I wasn't the only one who, um, and I don't know why I, you know, was blessed with that, but I understood that there were other kids going through a lot of stuff and i always i always felt um that if i could help someone else um that you know that would be a good thing to do even as a little kid um so somehow despite all the problems my family had and how public they were and i lived in a community the police were at my house a lot i mean great drama great drama but um drama sucks my, doesn't it Oh yeah, especially oh when you're a kid. Public I hate drama. drama. <laughs> yeah, but you know, my parents somehow also gave me compassion in all this. I mean, even though they were, you know, literally and figuratively killing each other, um, there was a level of compassion they must have planted in me because it grew, and um, it and it has been about um, helping children to diminish their pain helping adults reduce their own pain. Um, this isn't about, you know, not going for help. It's not about not taking medication. But it is what can we do for ourselves because there's a lot we can do for ourselves. And um, if we do that, then we have accomplished a great deal. 
And if we can see the pain in others and have compassion for them, then we have connected with them, and they have connected with us. And so that's what started me on this road. And, um, you know, I, it's, been a, it's been a wonderful journey of really helping people take care of themselves and also as a you know mental health professional helping people too i mean i'm not you know you know sometimes people do need help and you know thank god there are many of us there who can help them but my main message i've written three books on self-parenting now about to have my third book come out on women and resilience um it's about what can we do to help ourselves because in the final analysis it's us and us you know, mm-hmm. so what can we do? And how can yeah, we help know. each other, other women, women helping women, the sisterhood, you know, how can we resurrect that? Yeah, and the thing is also we also have to be really careful who we surround ourselves with. I think that's yes. another thing that's really important. Um, a lot yes. of people don't realize that, you know. Yes. Um, how did you pick and choose what you decided, what you felt, what felt right for you? Um, I think, it, you know, for for me as a young child, um, you know, somehow I developed a very strong belief in God. I don't know how. You know, it wasn't that I came from a very religious family, but I just had this strong belief in God. And um, I just always felt that God would take care of me, I guess, because my parents struggled so much with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, that God would take care of me, and that helped me decide a whole journey <laughs> about, you know, what what was right, what wasn't right for me, and not that, you know, I didn't do what every, every kid does and, you know, play with the limits and figure things out and make a lot of bad decisions, but I always felt I could learn from them, and, <laughs> excuse me, Bless that's you. what I did, and that's what my, my message to other women is, you can learn from your bad choices as well, and that's called your resilience. Yeah, you know what? Also, um, what I wanted to ask you, since you said, you know, you learn from others, who were your mentors growing up? Well, um, there was a woman who I met in college mm-hmm. who was very helpful to me and um, kind of took me under her wing and really helped direct me. I mean, I was the first person in my family to go to college. The college I applied to was the one I was closest to my house. I grew in, up in New York City. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had no sense of how you do this. Um, when I was younger, there was a babysitter I had who quit, I think, after two times being in my family. Because she, oh, I don't my think God. She felt safe. I don't think crazy. she felt safe. It, and it mm-hmm. wasn't safe. But she was a volunteer from the church, and... Um, she quit, but she told me wonderful things about myself. I was nine years old, and she said, you are a rose, and you are living among thorns. Now, don't ask me why that stuck, but it did, and it really helped support me. You, those of you who are listening have no idea of the magnitude that the statements you make to children have and how children will retain positive messages, create a structure around it. In fact, all of you who are listening did that in your own lives, took positive mm-hmm. messages and created a structure um, that is a structure that is our developing resilience. Um, 
So it's, you know, my mentors were, I think, probably few and far between, but they were there. And part of what every kid does is every kid is like um, a sponge looking for somebody positive. Um, and um, so, you know, it's it's there. I mean, my story is my story. I have a younger sister and brother. Their stories were very different and had very different endings. Um, so it's not that we were immune or, um, you know, saved somehow and everyone else went down. You know, we, we've had some major struggles in my family. But for me, since you've asked me, this is how I have understood my journey. And it's how I try to help other people understand their journey. Um, you know, that's so true, though. That's very true. Very true, Pat. Are you there, or did I lose you again? I'm here. Oh, absolutely. No, no. I'm here. I'm we glad were lost, but we got found. <laughs> you know what? Someone said it was because of the solar flares. My mom said that it might be because of the solar flares we're having that, um, you know, because we're having really big ones right now. You know, and we're oh. also, I don't know if anybody knows this, but, you know, a lot of things are going to intensify a lot more. And I, I know, call me crazy or whatever, but there was a major eclipse yesterday in space. The moon and the sun eclipsed each other in, in space. So there was an eclipse there, and there was a little bit of communication stuff going on, all this drama that's going on in the world and, um you know, um, unnecessary stuff. And then also we are in retrograde a little bit right now, too, which also causes a little bit of craziness to go on. But, you know, all in all, what I really think what's the most important thing at the end of the day is kindness matters to everyone and, you know, doing yeah. it with love and doing it with um, also respect for yourselves and respect for other people around you. And instead of always trying to point the finger at other people, like take accountability for your own stuff, you know? It's like right. really hard, I think, for a lot of people, Patricia. And well, um, that's how your book comes in. because they think they'll be punished, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll be, if, you, if you own up to it, you'll be punished as opposed to, um, you know, if you, if, you, if you look at what a lot of books on conflict resolution say or even on management say, Mm-hmm. Which and they all say basically around this point the same thing, um, which is to own your mistake and then use your resources, your resilience, to get past it. Um, but you don't need to spend a lot of energy defending something that obviously you messed up. Mm-hmm. That's so true. What would you advice would you give to parents for kids who are being bullied on the internet? Because that's another really big thing. Well, I I think that parents. Um, this is a hard one. I'm a parent, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I have twin boys, so I mean, I just I need to put that out there. But I think we. I know that the internet is kids' life, and we have to we have to have them have another life too. And you know, you're not going to get them totally off, but they can't be living on this um, the way they are. So it's one of the hardest things to do is to be a parent. Because when you're a parent, especially of um, a kid who's entering their their um, their sexuality, their adolescence, and that age varies um, by child, um, you're no longer going to be their friend. Um, they're not going to look up to you and idolize you, and you're going to have combat. <laughs> so you need support, and you need to set limits. Um, 
with your child, including setting limits on the Internet, which I know is like a bloody battle. But um, we need to protect kids from themselves in some ways, and we do that around other things, and we need to do that around so much time living on the Internet. Um, So... Mm -hmm. And um, there are a variety of different ways that parents can do that, um, but they need to support, you know, you need some support to do this because it ain't going to be pretty. I remember when my kids were teenage uh, teenagers, um, I called a, a, a good friend in tears. Oh, my God, I was so upset. Um, I don't even remember what it was about now, but I remember her telling me that she had just read some pamphlet. I think it was a pamphlet, not even book. And it said um, something like, no matter what your kids do, just love them. I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to keep loving my kids through this crisis. And it was pretty bad. And uh, we got through it. And um, my kids told me um, recently that they think uh, they had a pretty good childhood. I was so surprised because I was still learning some of the wounds. I was always the one with the kids. I was always the one that was there on the playground when the kids' parents weren't there to pick them up and swinging on the swings and hanging from monkey bars. I'm being stupid, you know, and um, that was what I did. And a lot of parents didn't like that. They didn't like that. I think it was because they were, like, they they couldn't do it, you know what I mean? As, yeah. They could do it. Well, they, they felt could, they actually, could do it. They actually yeah. could do it. It's just they took a choice not to do it, you know. Yeah. But um, well, you let your inner child come out and play with your child. <laughs> I do, I do. And now, what advice would you give to someone that really wants to get in touch with? Uh, what, what, where would they start? Um, just basically um, grab a copy of the Resilient Woman Guys, um, the workbook. When are we? When can we expect the workbook out? The workbook will be out sometime this fall. I don't have an exact date. Um, I do talk about inner child work in The Resilient Woman, and I do talk about inner child work uh, in my book, Healing Trauma Through Self-Parenting. And Mm -hmm. I have two books written all about the inner child, (laughs) including one that's 26 years in print, which is called 12 Steps to Self-Parenting, and that is all about how to embrace um, your inner child and what I call in the book your higher parent, um, the part of you that is connected to the force that's beyond you, however you want to describe that force. Do you want to call that force God or Buddha? Um, however you want to you know, name that force that all of us um, – Feel that there is a, a force beyond us, and and how to how to connect to that force within yourself, so therefore you feel guidance from that part of the world, that part of your universe. Um, so it's um, and the book um, is based on the um, the twelve steps of AA, and really does lead people through a healing process, a healing journey. And, again, it's been in print, 12 Steps to Self-Parenting will be in print this year, 26 years. So obviously oh, wow. it has a message that is resonating out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that, that's that intense. Was, it is intense. And it was a, it was, I've written many books, and each book is 
different, um, and the process of writing it is different. But um, that book, in a way, felt like it was given to me, that it was more of a, um, I was given the book and I was writing it down more than I wrote it, if that makes any sense to you (laughs) at all. Um, I think it was a message that needed to be delivered, and my co-author and I were kind of picked to be the messengers, but um, it's a very, it's a very special book. Yeah, you Twelve know, um, parenting. Did you were your kids in, part of that at all? Did you rep, did you um, look at your kids a lot when you were writing that book? My children, my children are chosen children, so mm-hmm. they are adopted. So oh wow! When I was cool. Writing, so when I was writing that book, some things changed. I started getting up at the crack of dawn or just before dawn and writing. I'm not an early morning person. Um, and um, I, I wrote the book and completed the book, and um, we then found out that we had been paired with our children, and they had been born at the point I started writing early in the morning. So you talk about... <laughs> kind of magical things happening. So so I I felt my children, I felt their energy, but I had I had not known them at that point. So Yeah, you know. <laughs> um when when did you adopt them? How old were they when you adopted them? That's pretty cool. They were uh, when they came when they came home, they were 4 months old. Oh, wow. That's that's pretty incredible. But this yeah. was right this was right when they were born, which was the end of March, that I started mm-hmm. writing so differently at such a different mm-hmm. and writing almost poetry. And I'm not a poet, but um, the book uh, Twelve Steps to Self Parenting is it's a very spiritual. It's a book I'm proud of, but it's not a book necessarily I feel I wrote. <laughs> so mm-hmm. maybe the energy of my children or of our our higher power really directed me um yeah you know i think it's really important for parents that have challenges that are going through um things with their kids um to really be able to have something to reference back to and also to be able to understand what's going on in the world so yeah um i know as a parent of my daughter you know you know and also being a child myself it was really hard for me um, growing up in the industry and growing up around people and growing up as a as in the things that I grew up around and being able to understand how life really works um, mm-hmm. when you don't have a mentor uh, when mm-hmm. you lose your parent at a young age or you um, are managed by somebody basically if you're in the entertainment industry or you're not in the entertainment industry however you are it's like always there's always going to be somebody pulling at you. Yeah. And that's why I'm super fearful for the fact that somebody may push somebody too far and they're going to do something to hurt themselves because we can only take so much, mm-hmm. right? And as children and as a mother of a child and as a parent yourself, you know that. And we become become really... Uh, I mean, I find I found myself becoming very um, combative when it came to people picking on my own cat and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it 
it's it, being a parent is very hard. I think it's. Um, I have a book also out on parenting, by the way. Um, since we're mentioning all my books, and that's called the lowdown on families who get high. And I think if you, I think how the creator designed it is that um, our our children are a way that we finish up our own childhood, um, because everything we went through comes back to us sometimes in magnificent detail as our children go through this. And um, I think this is a way of kind of finishing up and making peace with our own childhood as we parent our children going through their childhood. And I understand, but I have not experienced yet, that being a grandparent <laughs> is crazy because, you know, you, you know, it's like you really get all the rewards then. So I don't know that from first, first-hand experience. But um, we, we have, as parents, um, opportunities to grow, grow our resilience. Uh, we have an opportunity through our family stories, and I talk about this in my book, The Resilient Woman, and there will be more in the workbook, about how we can shape our family stories to really convey messages of hope and strength um, in them. Um, sometimes family stories are uh, pretty negative, uh, pretty disparaging of different people. We can we can really focus our family stories on the messages of hope that are within all of these stories that tend to kind of stick around um, our families. And in that way, we can teach our children resilience. In, in that way, we can reclaim our own resilience and that of our grandmother or grandfather. Um, and, you know, to, to give you an example, I did a, um, a seminar and um, there were um, two women who volunteered. They were mother and daughter, and the daughter was pregnant. So there were like two and a half generations there. Oh, yeah. And they volunteered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they volunteered to share their a family story. And this was before Thanksgiving, and they were anticipating the family get-together, and they were dreading the story about how grandmother came to the U.S. And evidently um, how grandmother came to the U.S. is grandpa came first and sent grandma money to come to the U.S. But don't mm-hmm. you know, she missed the ship, and her mother-in-law came over. So father worked, 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 sent back more money, this time for her to come over. And don't you know that... Um, she missed the ship again, and her father-in-law came over. So finally, according to the family story, you know, um, Grandpa saves and saves and saves and says, okay, your turn, and she does come over. And, um, and uh, so they said that the family story is people gather around, and they giggle, and they laugh, and they point at Grandma about, you know, how could you miss the ship? Miss the ship, not once, but twice. And, you know, and the women were cheering up at this point because mm-hmm. this wasn't mm-hmm. a story about grandmother missing the ship. I mean, this is a story about really putting down women. So I asked them, I said, okay, how could your grandmother miss the ship but arrange for her mother-in-law first to come over, miss the ship the second time, but somehow arrange for her father-in-law to come over? Uh, and they looked at me and their jaws dropped. And I said, yes, she sacrificed her own well-being so her in-laws could come to America before she did. And they mm-hmm. said, boy, you know. oh boy, can't wait to kind of <laughs> nail this <laughs> at Thanksgiving. <laughs> but, you know, it's like we have these family stories that instead of 
celebrating the resilience, the sacrifice, the big picture, the vision, you know, cel- you know, demean different members of our family, and we can change that. You know, the also another thing that we need to do also is realize that we do inherit a lot of things from our family, and that we need to understand that it's not just us. That we need to un- that we need to know how to put those into the right perspective. How would you right. um, recommend someone do that? Because I know that's a big thing. Well, what we can do is really look for the gift um, that's in whatever the crap is. Excuse me. <laughs> that we have and that's not to say that the negative isn't there just that there's a positive there and how mm-hmm. i try to live my life and you know what has caused me to now be working on my third book on women and resilience is to really teach that we can define our lives based on what we take from our lives and if we take from our lives that everyone is against us well that's that's what we've taken from our lives. But if we take from our lives that we can overcome terrible things, that, that, that we're not alone, that there are people there to support us, and that we can laugh at some of this stuff instead of being all in a, you know, a nod about it, well, then that's a wonderful, resilient journey. And I'd rather live my life that way, um, you know, with, fi- with looking and, and finding the positives. Um, then have all my attention go to everything that's wrong because there's plenty wrong mm-hmm. in my life, plenty wrong in the lives of those of uh, those listening to your show. Um, but there's also a lot of right, and can we find the right and the bright and in it? And again, that's not to minimize the negative. It's just not. To, it's not to say that that's all there is. Yeah, you know, that is very true. And the thing that is really also important is that we need to stop blaming ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that I think a lot of people do. So Yes, and, and again, for women, I call that our girly thoughts, that we blame ourselves for all this stuff. And, um, you know, it's societally shaped, you know, you know about what we're going to blame ourselves for. And, um, and we need to learn to push back so we can have a comfortable life and we can create a comfortable life for other women and for our, you know, the women who come after us. Um, but the only way, the only way we can push back is by consciously knowing what's going on, and that is how we are, you know, have internalized all these messages that tell us we have to look a certain way, act a certain way, or else. And um, you know, we see this dramatized. Anybody in the audience, if you're going shopping tonight, just notice the magazines on the checkout counter. Oh, God, please. Oh, my God, the drama. what the stories are. You know, who cheated on who. Yeah. Yeah. You know, who cheated on who. Stars, celebs without makeup, celebs with cellulite. Who cares I mean, about that crap? I mean, right. God, do we, we have nothing else better to do, you know, except right. find something wrong with someone else, except ourselves, looking right. at and ourselves. Right, and that's because we're beating ourselves up. So we want we want to we want someone else to join our pity party. You see, it's not just me who's really undesirable; it's her too. Well, how about if we find what's desirable in us and we shine that light, and find what's desirable in other people and focus in on that? The, the research mm-hmm. on children and resiliency is very interesting. 
resilient children who live in highly traumatic families can have positive relationships with their parents. Why? Because they focus in on the positive of the parent. Mm-hmm. And they learn to tune out a lot of the other stuff. That's the mentor stuff, huh? Being a mentor. It's not, it's, well, it's not just the mentor stuff. Children naturally look for the positive. Children do. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. You know, mm-hmm. you know, a mentor can help further that, but children naturally do that. Children are naturally resilient. Um, so to know that about ourselves, you know, it's like you know, I think it's a really it's really good that we're giving it also a safe place for people to con- you know contact others about this. If you um, are ever in a crisis situation. Patricia, do you have any um, information you want to give out to anyone on the air? And also I want to make a, let everyone know that if they've listened to the show and they caught it late, it will be available in its entirety within about 10 minutes on redvelvetmedia.com, on Red Velvet Media blog, I'm sorry, redvelvetmediablogtalkradio.com, and also on iTunes probably later on tonight because they like our shows and we've got podcasts on there. And um, I'll be posting also um, a link to my sh- a link to the show on a Red Velvet Media blog, um, my blog, my personal blog, because I think this is a really important show. Um, what would you um, give to people as far as reaching out for to get help? What what should a child do, or a young adult, or even an adult, or a woman, or whatever? Well, it depends on you know if it's an imminent crisis to call the crisis hotline, uh, which exists in most communities um, where there are mental health professionals who can be accessed, or if it's an imminent crisis, go to your emergency room or call the police. The police are actually, in most communities, pretty well trained for how to handle crises. Um, So that kind of, you know, if it's an imminent crisis, check it out. I have uh, people who contact me and they'll say, blah, 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 I'm I'm not sure whether, you know, so-and-so is suicidal. I said, call the police, you know. Get somebody there right away, right away to look at that. Um, in, beyond that, um, kids speak to their friends a lot. So, you, you know, encourage kids to speak to their friends and then see if there's a parent of one of their friends maybe they can also speak to. You know, try to speak to their parents. Um, you know, parents may be busy. It may be hard for them to listen. But, you know, you can demand some airtime um, with parents. There are religious leaders in communities that can be supportive, um, you know, going online. I know I said, you know, we've got to limit it to some degree. But, you know, going online, reading, for example, on the website, NACOA, National Association for Children of Alcoholics, um, um, can be helpful. Al-Anon has videos on it that you can watch. Um, my website can be helpful, patriciaogorman.com. I have blogs on there and videos as well. Um, there are a lot of sources online that can be helpful, but they need to be credible sources. <laughs> be careful of chat rooms. Um, I, I had recently Oh, my God, a, totally. Uh, yeah, a medical Be diagnosis. Be careful of chat rooms, chat guys. Rooms. Yes, I, yeah, I went to a chat room of people who had what I, the doctor thought I had, and oh, my God, was I depressed afterwards. Cried, 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 cried. So chat rooms may not be helpful. So 
Yeah, and you know what's really funny, too? Chat rooms aren't safe either because they get your personal information, and a lot of times they will give it around. That's why we talk about anonymity. I can't even say the word today. Anonymity. Anonymity. Oh my God, I'm so stupid today. I can't even talk. Um, you know, that's what's important. You are in a safe place. I think it's really that's important right. that yeah. you're able to share things. Like I've talked to you about personal things, that things we wouldn't talk about on the air, and things, and right. vice versa. I mean, it's just a matter of trust and a matter of of knowing um, and picking and choosing the right places you feel safe and talking to. Um, I think it's, I think that's a really important thing. Yeah. That's what I feel today. And that's about, you know, my, my second step, which is to really trust that inner voice in you that says this is okay or this is not okay. And if it's not okay, get yourself out. (laughs) Yeah. Don't stay where it's not okay. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm sorry we went over on the show. I really appreciate it because I know you're back east and it's 3, 4, 5. It's like 7 o'clock there, isn't it, right now? Yes, almost yeah. 7. <laughs> yeah, I want to say I want to say to you thank you so much for being here today because um, I didn't really intend on talking about the subject that we did, but I really felt it was necessary because it really goes hand in hand with what we're talking about, owning your own shit. <laughs> Basically, yes. <laughs> owning your own shit and being able to um, understand also that you can push someone too far. And that's like right. what we talked about bullying. And it could be a woman. It could be a child. It could be a, a, an elderly person. It could be your husband, your wife, your your cousin, whomever. It doesn't matter. You know, everyone has like their own threshold of stress that they can handle and I think it's really brave what a lot of people and oh that's so funny I said brave because we're ending with a song called brave um that's right I think it's really brave (laughs) that certain people um I think it was really brave and I I want to say that Justin went to Canada and turned himself in and got out and is going to go and appear on and is speaking up for himself. It's like that's what we need to do. All of us need to do that stuff. We need to be able to stand up for ourselves and be able to recognize the um, potential hazards we may encounter if we don't take care of things. Is that correct? (laughs) Yes, and that's our resilience. Our resilience Mm -hmm. is what allows us to stand up for ourselves. So I encourage your listeners to Get hold of my book, The Resilient Woman. Yep. Uh, contact me online, patriciaogorman.com. Yeah, Let's get your website out and, real quick, Pat. Let's yeah, get your website out. Patriciaogorman.com, my name, P-A-T-R-I-C-I-A-O-G-O-R-M-A-N. And look for my new book. And, you know, let me know what you think. Anyone has a better title than what I gave you? which is the Being the Resilient, um, what is it? I've changed it so many times. <laughs> you forgot the name. I really have to. I'm looking at it. Okay, The Resilient Woman's Guide to Girly Throats, How to Say No to Your Inner Critic. If anyone has a better title, please email me. <laughs> Otherwise, this is the book, next book you're going to get. <laughs> but meanwhile, um, meanwhile, back at the ranch, um, Patricia O'Gorman is also available on Facebook. And by the way, Someone defriended me on your Facebook. <laughs> it's like, what oh, happened? <laughs> they took oh, me dear. off your list as a friend. Yeah. 
I'm on Facebook oh. too. I'm kind of I'm kind of private, but my company Red Velvet Media is on there. But um, Holly yeah. Steffi is on uh, Facebook as well, and that's who I am. That's who's hosting Red Velvet Media. And I wanted to make a special announcement. Um, uh, oh, I can't even think right now. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Getting to that point, you know, I have shows um, next week. I even am doing a show on Tuesday as a special show, and um, I have a show on Wednesday, and then on Friday with uh, Harold Becker. You can check out the shows that I'm going to be doing, and we've we've got some really cool music shows coming up, and I know that we just recently did a show with Dick Wagner, who was with uh, Alice Cooper for uh, years and um, wrote a book. And um, all those shows, and including this one, will be available afterwards um, on Red Velvet Media and on iTunes. There's hundreds of shows on iTunes there, so you can check it out. And if anyone wants to get in touch with me, you can uh, email me at hollysteffy at gmail.com or rvelvetmedia at gmail.com. That would be a good way. But if anyone wants to reach Patricia, which I think is really important because I, I know that you do crisis stuff, um, what would be the best way for them to reach you, on um, on your website? Yes, on my website because um, unless they live or want to travel to the Adirondack Mountains in northern New York State, <laughs> it will be hard to see them. But if they want me to speak, in, if you want me to speak in your community, contact me and uh, let's see about how we can yeah. make that happen. And um, we're trying to get Patricia out here to California. Um, we want you out here. We want to do some shows with you. Um, and actually, oh, not shows, that. we want to do some symposiums. Because um, I think it's really important that we all get the correct information and we're, we realize there's a safe place to go. So with that, I'm going to end the show today. And for everyone out there, please um, have a beautiful weekend coming up. And, uh, you know, um, always stay true to yourself and listen to your inner self. And, Patricia, what would you like to say to everyone before we end with a song that you wanted to end with? Well, the the name of the song says it all. I wish you all to be brave. Yeah. Say what you want to say. (laughs) Yeah, and you know what I always say? Yeah, that's true. Say what you want to say. You know, I always say to myself, um, say what you say and um, say what you mean and mean what you say. Right? I say yeah. that too. Oh, good. That's, <laughs> That's so <funny>. important. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I apologize that to you, again. And my mother taught that to me. <laughs> oh, no. And I apologize again that we talked about other things that are happening in the world today, but I really felt that it was really important. And I really hope that a lot of people out there that are listening are going to realize that too. Don't, don't push people too hard. And for everyone that's in support of. Um, uh, Justin, um, you know, I got a lot of Twitters, and I guess a lot of people are really um, interested in this. We're here to help. Patricia and I are both right. here to help. We want to help. Right. We're here. And for all the haters out there, you know, that's what you are. You just hate. It's self-reflection. Look at a mirror. comes right back mm-hmm. at you, right? Yeah. Right. You got it. So, Patricia, I'll be calling you soon, and uh, here you guys go. Have a beautiful weekend. Oh, Super Bowl. If anyone's watching Super Bowl, have a really great one. Don't drink and drive. Um, try to chill and uh, have a good one, right? Super Bowl. I forgot. Have a good one. Super Bowl and, weekend. And, um, and if you're in, if you're watching the Super Bowl and it feels like it's an unsafe situation, even if it's your home, get out. 
Yeah, don't isn't that true? Oh my God, I will not. I, 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 we'll talk about that with, on Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh no, we you and I'll so. talk about that on another show. But I did have a Super Bowl party when I was younger, when the Eagles um, actually were playing, and it became very. Um, uh, my house got raided. Okay. Oh my we'll God. Talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy. But anyway, um, I'm going to go ahead. Yeah, oh, I'm such a scandalous person, aren't I? <laughs> Oh my god. All right, here you guys go. You can be amazing. 